Hello and welcome to the Michael Mama Show. I'm your host, Michael Mamas, and we're coming to you from Mount Soma, home of the Sri Sameshwara Temple in the mountains of Western North Carolina. And a uh, beautiful day here, 71 degrees and sunny, and it's going to be really nice. You know, springtime, everything is exploding and green, you know, beautiful. Um, so today's topic, you know, um, I think if you use the word self-actualization, you know, right away people, when they think of self-actualization, tell me if I'm wrong, Scotty, but I think they think of, you know, outward activities, what they do for a living or uh, things they want to accomplish in the world. Uh, do you agree with that, Scott? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that's what most people think. But, but uh, that's all, of course, outwardly directed. But, but really self-actualization, and we can talk in a very, you know, down-to-earth level here. It's really, it's, it's about the home, you know. Um, I think that's where real fulfillment comes from. And, uh, and the home has to do with, you know, your relationship with the house, but also uh, uh, if you're married, your relationship with your spouse, your family. Uh, and I, I just know in, in my own personal life, um, you know, I started Mount Soma, what was that, back in 2002, November 2002. And uh, as I think happens with a lot of people, I was just so demanding, you know? I mean, I, I know one uh, student in the school, a businessman, he said uh, in the real world, he said uh, there wouldn't be just one team of experts that would um, replace you for what you do. He said it would take multiple teams. And uh, I had to do it all by myself, you know, in the beginning. And so admittedly what happened is uh, family life suffered really the most important part of it, the most important part of life. And what really creates, I think, an actualization of the self um, I had no time. And when I did have time, I was just so exhausted from all the work I was doing. And, you know, in a development like this, things come up seven days a week, you know, 24 hours a day. Uh, it's a point where I couldn't be, I couldn't not be by my phone and have it on, you know, day and night. But uh, at any rate, um, you know, there's a principle in Jyotish there are 12 houses and they're in groups of three And uh, one group of the three houses is the fourth house, the 12th house and the eighth house. And they're all considered the spiritual houses, the moksha houses, the fourth house, you know, all the, everything in Jyotish has all the different houses uh, have multiple meanings and multiple things. They are predominantly influenced, but with respect to this, fourth house is home uh, and so it has to do with your home your family uh, represents mother you know which is like you know uh, uh, obviously we could argue that value that quality that energy is quintessential to what a home is you know and then and then uh, the 12th house 
his own house of moksha, house of liberation, uh, the house of loss. But loss of what? Loss of ignorance. Loss of ignorance means what? Enlightenment, you know. And then, and then the eighth house, which is among other things, you know, that area of the body, the womb. So those four houses, or those three houses, interestingly enough, create home, home, and womb. And in a way, they're, those are all the same thing, if you think about it. They all deal with um, uh, the, the more inner, inwardly directed, uh, uh, if you will, more personal uh, uh, values of life. Uh, certainly the emphasis isn't on, you know, worldly affairs. But it does seem to be that in life, um, especially, you know, we get busy and things are demanding. And it seems like, you know, if our life is a plate and we just keep filling that plate with food until it's overflowing, and then and then uh, things have to fall by the wayside. And I think for a lot of us, it's it's the source of true self-actualization. It's the home. And, and uh, those things aren't easy. I mean, your life, it deserves, it demands cultivation. And we need to really uh, focus on not just maintaining it, but, but if it's not where we want it to be, it's, it's about building it. You have to build your life and take a look at your life. And is it really fulfilling, uh, particularly your inward life here, your home, your relationship with your family, your relationship with your spouse? Uh, we do well to, to just take a step back and take a look at that. First of all, uh, what's lacking? And that can be a tough thing to answer the question to because there can be a lot of denial there. You know, um, uh, it's easy to just kind of bloat a phobia, I know everything's fine. Or if you're not in a good relationship, if you're not in a relationship at all, uh, even though it's quite possible that that really is an important part of your self-actualization. Uh, it's your life. It's your personal life. It brings fulfillment. Plenty of uh, statistics out there saying how much uh, a good marriage can uh, perpetuate the life expectancy. You know, there was a Chinese uh, doctor, dear friend of mine. He was world famous. He'd go to his office and I'd sit with him and people would fly in from all over the world just to sit with him and watch him take pulse and prescribe herbs. He was incredible. Uh, but as I look back, because we became close friends and, uh, go to his house and we'd go out to lunch and things. But uh, he was an older gentleman. He passed away. I cried when he, when he died. Um, but I remember one of the main things it seems he would say when it came to, you know, evaluating a person's pulse and looking at their life, evaluating their life. One of the main things he would say as the cause of their disease, whatever it was, is he'd say life no good in his, you know, broken English or whatever, life no good. And I think a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we take a step back and we look at it and maybe our life isn't as good as it could be. Maybe we haven't invested enough of our focus and our attention and our commitment to building a good life, 
and then after, and then even after it's built, it requires tremendous maintenance. You know, a healthy relationship requires dedication. A healthy relationship requires work. Yeah, and and work it can even be pleasurable work. Spending time together can be fun. It can be wonderful. Uh, but still, you have to. It takes some effort, you know, to um, set aside the time and create the circumstances uh, that are conducive to cultivating that, to cultivating that relationship, and cultivating the feeling in the home. And the feeling in the home is good. It's like if you have, you know, family or housemates or whatever. It's like an ambience, but it goes beyond the word ambience. It's it's a feeling that even if nobody's speaking right in the moment, maybe some people are in the other room and you're in the room by yourself or something, but nevertheless, that, that sense, that feeling, that quality that, that holds the family and makes it a home, uh, it just permeates the environment. And that's mostly a function of attitude, you know? Um, and not taking the relationship for granted. And uh, it becomes an understanding and a communion and a knowing that, hey, I'm dedicated to this. Yeah, I have my outward activities and there's a self-actualization component to our job or if we wanna to go to college and get a degree or get educated in one way or another, write a book or I don't know what. But real self-actualization, fundamental actualization has to do with home, ohm, and womb, you know? And, and, and on a pragmatic day-to-day -day level, we're talking about home. And so we, we do well, really, to take a step back and take a look at um, what we've created, where we're at. Are we happy with it? Is life good? There's Dr. Shen often said, you know, life no good, you know. Put the time into it. It's the most important part of your life. And it doesn't necessarily mean you even have to be in a relationship. Uh, single, you still create that ambience, that feeling, that quality. You know what I do? I get up really early every morning. I get up, gee, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Used to have it from when I was in the monastery, when I was in the ashram. And uh, I, I have a routine, this little lamp behind me, you know, when it's uh, dark outside that time, that lamp creates a really nice feeling. And then I just started doing this. I never listened to jazz to speak of, I mean, uh, but I found this one thing, it's called Paris Jazz. It's a... Uh, there's a scene of a park and then the Eiffel Tower. And then there are people, you know, way in the distance, you know, you can see sometimes people, their paths on each side, you can see people traversing the path. And just as smooth jazz, you know, sax and piano. Never really listened to jazz that much, but it creates, it feeds the ambience. It creates such a rested, um, beautiful feeling. You can find it on YouTube, by the way. Uh, just type in Paris Jazz and it, it usually comes right up. There are a few things, but you'd see the one with that particular scene. And I put it on in the morning and I'll do my computer and uh, prepare for the day, what have you. And it creates an ambience. It creates a feeling. 
I think for some people, you know, being single, that's it. That's their life. And that needs to be cultured. It needs to be nurtured. For other people, if you're not happy with that, then, then do something. Cultivate a life. And it's not an easy thing, especially if you've been alone. Um, it's, there's an adaptation period there, isn't there? Um, uh, and, and even the fear of that, or the fear of failing at that, the fear of having it not work, uh, prevent some people from ever really cultivating uh, a life that really brings them fulfillment and true self-actualization, which comes from home. You see? Now, a lot of times, you know, people will talk with a counselor or just another friend or whatever, uh, and call it personal process, you know, just have somebody to talk to and take a look at, you know, how your head works, you know, how your psyche works and things like that. Uh, and that's a deeply personal thing. We're all incredibly vulnerable creatures as human beings, every single one of us. A lot of us will protect it with some kind of hard exterior, but the reality is we're all very, very vulnerable. And so the personal process, you know, uh, when you're talking with another person, then they're going to share their perspectives. But one place I've seen people go wrong, because I was a counselor, spiritual counselor for years, you know, worked with a lot of people. And one thing to keep in mind is who, however good your counselor is, however good your friend is, they're never going to say it exactly uh, uh, the way it is. At best, there'll be a close approximation. It's like the potato-potato thing, you know. A certain word can work for you in your own inner exploration. And to them, it's like, ah, potato-potato. But for you, it makes all the difference in the world. And so I think we never do well, no matter how much we respect our therapist or our friend or whatever, to just take what they say and, okay, i got to work with that. You have to see what it resonates with within you and find the truth of it within your own self because those subtle differences can make all the difference uh, in the world. Uh, ultimately, the process of personal development is exactly that, you know, it's, it's personal, you know. And you know where I started thinking about this actually is... Um, I like fitness. I should exercise more than I do. I like bodybuilding just because it intrigues me, you know, the mechanics of the musculoskeletal system and how to develop a particular muscle or something like that. And so um, there's a trainer on uh, YouTube that I like a lot. He's a great physical therapist. And um, he shows different exercises. But it took me a long time. I mean, years, decades even, of exploring this for a period of time and then letting it go. But it took me a long time before I realized that an exercise that he may like or he may say, oh, this is the best exercise for delts, for example, may not be the best exercise for you. 
And so even though he points in directions and it's great, it's just like with personal process, you know, you have to find the exercise that really works for you, for your muscles. Uh, and you start to understand your body just as you start to understand in personal process yourself, your personality level self, you know. And so it's important that we don't forget that. And it's also crucial. You know, they did a survey. I think I've said this in one of the podcasts, didn't I, but Scotty, where uh, they asked some adults, what's the most important thing in a relationship? You know, and if they're single, what's the main thing you would look for if you were single in a relationship? The, the, the word that came up most frequently and with great frequency was kindness. And so in your relationships, you can cultivate kindness, put your attention on kindness, but not just in your relationships with other people, your relationship with yourself when you do personal process, kindness. And even our attitude, you know, the world is an angry place. Uh, and anger is basically just unbridled, unbridled um, judgment. And it seems to be vogue, you know, people seem very free to be highly judgmental and even to get angry about it and, you know, righteous indignation, right? And certainly don't do that with yourself. Don't do it with your loved ones. Don't do it with your spouse. And also, if we could just understand, that's why I say it's not overstand isn't the word. It's understand. Humility is built right into the word. So on all those different levels, be it interpersonal, be it international, global, understanding. No two people function exactly the same. Certainly no two countries function exactly the same. You know, there's a um, notion of the foolish genius. You know, a lot of people are smart. But not many people are wise, really. Anybody can repeat wise quotes and sound wise, but real wisdom has to do with that intuitive sense, that inner sense, that finest feeling level. And functioning from there, it's, it doesn't come from the intellect. You can justify anything with the intellect, and people do. But when it's integrated with that depth of your being, that finest feeling level, that place of deep intuition, the other brain, and the other brain is in the gut. It's the gut feeling, they say. Even the word in Sanskrit for uh, uh, intuition, one level of trans translation for that word, gut feeling, you know? So who was it? Somebody recently asked me, we were talking about something, and they said, well, how do you know that's true, you know? And I said, because I feel it in my gut. And, you know, it's, it just feels that way. You can justify it either way with the intellect, but it just, the other just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right, you know? And that's true with affinities and aversions in general. Uh, you're not wrong because you have a particular kind of affinity or a particular kind of aversion. You're not judgmental. If you have a certain kind of aversion to a certain 
I don't know, uh, type of person, group of people. I don't know. It becomes a problem when it becomes militant or, you know, for example, in the case of uh, different cultural preferences, we all have our cultural orientations. That's a good, that's a healthy thing. Cultural integrity, though, is it's a very good thing. It's a very healthy thing. But it only becomes, you know, a problem when it ceases to be cultural integrity becomes racism. Racism is a sickness. But that doesn't mean that we necessarily have equal affinity or aversion to across-the-board cultures. It's natural to have an affinity for your own culture. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're a bigot or what have you. In fact, the, we, we do well to honor other cultures, feed other cultures, support other cultures, help those other cultures build their own integrity. But it's not done with money, by the way, to get tangential with the whole thing. You give somebody with particular, and I'm not talking about cultures anymore, but just individuals, you, individuals. You get a particular individual that has a certain bias or you give them money, it's not going to make them healthy. It's not going to help. It's just going to make, it's going to feed their bias. It's going to help them to further entrench into their current condition, even if it's hateful, even if it's judgmental, even if it's resentful. So thoughts matter little. Thoughts matter little. It's how you feel about those thoughts deep inside in your core. Not because you've been programmed to feel that way. Not because you've been told that you're good only if you feel that way. But if you can see, look past all that, move past all that, and what do you really feel in the depth of your being, the depth of your soul in your gut? because then your thoughts are functioning in accord with your own true nature. And that's called self-actualization. And you cultivate self-actualization essentially from the home, a healthy home. So you cultivate your home life, even if it's something as inane as a you know, little 10 watt light bulb in a soft, soothing jazz early in the morning with a cup of coffee, I don't know. Whatever it is for you. And, and, and then if you're in a relationship, you, you cultivate that with the person. And if you're not in a relationship and you want to be, you can take effort and time and a willingness to really um, work at it and explore and, and find what it is that you need in your life. And make your life good. Make your life good. You know, they talk about, I think I talked about this in my previous podcast a little bit, but just in this context, even in the criminal system, you know, they talk about, oh, this guy got framed for something he didn't do. And they talk about framing. And we frame one another all the time. And so watch in your relationships, particularly within the home, everywhere, but particularly within the home, how have you framed 
your spouse? How? And, and how does that limit or compromise the relationship, you know? You never really know another person. And that's part of the wonder of it. It's, a, it's an ongoing exploration. But once you put them in a box, once you frame them, the whole thing becomes compromised. Even if the frame is essentially positive, it can still be better because it can be more and more real. Can be more and more understanding, you know. I guess that's about it for this week. A little different podcast than we've been um, doing, but I, I think just it's just so important, you know. Find a life, create a life. Cultivate a life that feeds you. And once, and even if you've found that, know that it's going to take dedication and effort and time allotted to perpetuate it and maintain it. And it can take courage, particularly if you're not happy with where you're at now. Say you're not in a relationship. There can be a lot of fear to, oh, gee, if you get in a relationship and it couldn't work or it takes a lot of effort or who knows or I'm just so used to being alone, you know, or what have you. I guess that's about it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it.